This is Ros Jones, your business coach with my weekly podcast show, Bold Business Bits, coming to you from Yorkshire. This is where I have a great conversation with a phenomenal female business boss. We share some of the bold stuff they do, lessons they've learned, adversities they've overcome, and the fun they have. And then I'll be dipping into my toolkit and sharing a top tip. Business can be lonely, so make sure you join us each week and be part of our show. Well, hello and welcome to episode 37 of Bold Business Bits podcast show. This is Ros Jones and today I'm joined by Kylie-Anne Gatecliffe of KAG Financial. Kylie-Anne is very clearly a highly principled people person, passionate about building relationships and helping her clients through the morass of confusion often associated with mortgages and credit ratings. She has great insights into what it's like to be female in the financial services arena, the challenge of finding work-life balance and a determination not to be a cog in someone else's wheel. Above all, she values her customers and is pretty confident she can help most people who are looking for a mortgage, even if it's just educating them on how best to get ready. Kylie-Anne is a phenomenal female business boss in Yorkshire. See what you think. Listen and enjoy our show. So hello and welcome. This is Ross Jones and today I'm joined by Kylie-Anne of KAG Financial. Welcome, Kylie-Anne. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. So, Kylie-Anne, I've uh, known you a few years, but... um, I would like you to share with us how you came into business, if that's all right. Why did you set up your business in the first place? Yeah, okay. So I've been advising for over 10 years. I initially started working for quite a big bank and then I went on to work for an estate agent. And after being there a few years, I just decided that I didn't really want to be a cog in someone's big machine and I wanted to run things my way and I wanted to make customers feel really valued by the company that they were dealing with. So I then went on to set up KG Financial and yeah, it's it's going well so far. So what was it about the estate agent that, because it's quite a big, it was a massive leap from having a uh, career to setting up your own business. So what was it about that place that, that triggered it? What what, Take us through the circumstances then. I think it was just, you know, a lot of big corporate companies don't value the customers enough and they tend to see them as numbers, which to me is just not what it's about. And I'm very customer focused and I love building relationships with people. And I've got a lot of customers that have been with me from day one. And I like to see them more as friends than anything and treat them like family. So... I think working for the the corporate estate agency just made me realise that things could be done a lot more differently and service could be improved on and they'd only really get that if I was running things. So basically it was an example of how not to do things and you've turned it into the way to do things. Yes, yeah. And of course, so uh, it's mortgages, isn't it, that you specialise in? It is, yeah, mortgages and protection. And that is such a... It's all about relationships, isn't it? It's such a traumatic time in people's lives. Definitely, yeah. So, what about your what about your family? Were they, you know, did they were they supportive of you doing in that process? Yeah, I think a few of them had concerns as to whether it would work or not. But one person who I won't name said one thing to me that stuck in my mind the whole way through when I decided to leave that employment they rang me and they basically said give me a ring when it it all fails and I'll give you your job back and 
that has been tattooed on my brain ever since. And it was just the one thing that I needed to hear to make it work. So we all need motivating to have, to get our baby in What's your big motivator, Karen? I think because I've got a six-year-old daughter watching everything I do, she's my motivation for everything. And I want her to have faith in herself, especially as a female, to know that she can go on and do whatever she wants to do especially in my industry that is very male dominated. You know, whenever I I go to conferences and things like that, you can look around the room and 80% of it is male. And I just wanted to make a difference in this industry and not be told that I can't do anything. I started out very young. I started advising at the age of 20. And I remember people having doubts that that was too young. And I like to think that I've proven them wrong. What about your, your daughter? So did you, had you had your daughter when you set up your business? No, she's six, nearly seven. So a lot of the, the situation with having her sort of changed my mindset in terms of what I wanted from life as well, because unfortunately we lost five children before having her and I kept getting further on each time. So obviously it was quite traumatic. And then we were told that we wouldn't have children. And a few weeks later, I found out I was pregnant with her. So Going for all of that, it was quite stressful then being pregnant because I was constantly worrying that something was going to go wrong. And then I ended up going into labour at 28 weeks. She was delivered by emergency C-section and we both ended up with sepsis. She had collapsed lungs. She was very, very poorly and, you know, it was really touch and go as to whether she would end up here or not. So sort of going through that process... I could sit around feeling sorry for myself that it happened, but I turned it into a motivator because I just think it highlighted to me how short life is and the fact that we've got to go out there and make the most of it. Yeah, definitely. So she's a precious, precious, very precious daughter. Yeah. What a story. And uh, it's a great point about the uh, male dominated in the financial services sector. So... You know, what do you see as the future for, for women in financial services? Claudia? I think it's it's definitely becoming more popular with women. And I think, especially for advisors like me, we're trying to get away from the whole, you know, somebody turning up to see a client in a suit with a briefcase and it, it just been more on a client's level. And I think, you know, especially when I started out working in the bank I'd get some clients coming to see me and I'd be sat there in my glass office with my suit on and people would be nervous and I think if they're starting that whole stressful process nervous it's just it's it's not the right way to be and I think by making it making us more on their level and being more approachable which is why I do so much with the videos and everything on Facebook, just to show people that I am an actual human. I'm no different to them. I just specialise in a different area. And I think as women, we are very good at the job because we have an awful lot of empathy. We're sensitive and we're very good at multitasking. (laughs) And so you talk about videos on Facebook. So I love that. Video is something that I've... uh... I've sort of dabbled in, but it's not something that I embrace. So how did you go about getting into video, Kaya? I didn't want to do it at all. did the first one and I remember sitting and watching it about 100 times and pulled every single bit of me apart. But then I, I just got to a point where I thought, you know what? It's not any different from how someone sees me when they're sat in front of me. That is what I look like. You know, I don't need to be assessing my face and wondering how I could make myself look different or sound different. 
I just need to get on with it. And I just put the first one out there and it got a really good response. It was shared thousands of times and I, I got an awful lot of new customers off the back of it. And a lot of them said it was so refreshing to see someone that was just completely approachable and spoke like a normal human being. So yeah, now they're a regular thing and they do work really well. And I couldn't care less about what I look like on Excellent. them now, which is good. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's the thing, isn't it? It's like you say, the thing that you fear the most is possibly the key to your success. Yes. Yeah. So, okay, I'm going to get my video out. <laughs> so what about, um, for you, uh, in terms of working in the financial services uh, industry, Kaya, how do you... Yeah, how do you keep up to date with stuff? How do you, yeah, how do you, because there's loads of changes all the time, aren't there? Yeah, so I'm constantly spinning plates because I'm a whole market advisor. So I've got lots of different lenders that I work with and all the criteria is different. And especially throughout the pandemic, things have changed a lot and they've been changing daily. But it, yeah, it's just making it a priority. You know, I probably spend an hour a day just keeping up to date with all the different changes. Your niche is that you 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 you've got the whole whole market. So anybody that needs help, you can probably help. Yeah, most people. Um, you know, I do get a lot of people coming to me that have been declined elsewhere. Things like bad credit. You know, people that might have been made bankrupt years ago. Self-employed is a huge one at the minute. And a lot of the time, it's just getting to understand the customer situation fully. And if I can't help them now then I will work with them to get them in a position where six months to a year, they're ready to buy. People just need advice. And it's it's not fair that some advisors work on the basis that they'll only help you once you're ready, you've got your deposit, you know exactly what you're doing. I think people need help a lot earlier than that. They need to understand how the credit rating works. We don't get educated on any of this. And it, it makes me angry that you go to school and you learn how to do algebra, which probably not 0.1% of the population uses, yet we don't get taught how to buy a house, how to save, how to manage money. So I'm really passionate about educating people on it and I tend to get a lot of referrals from that because even if I go and sit with someone for half an hour and explain how the credit rating works, you know, they'll sit there and say to me, nobody has ever shown me this and, yeah, it does work. Yeah, I love that. It's about, but it is definitely what you're about, is about building relationships, isn't it? Nurturing them. For, and when the time is right, they're obviously going to think of you. Yeah, definitely, yeah. yeah. What's been your toughest challenge you think that you've overcome? In terms of the business, yeah. um, I think when I first launched it, I struggled with feeling quite isolated because I'd gone from working in an office full of people, you know, we bounced off each other all day, we had bit of office banter and we'd grown quite close as friends really so I think going from that all day every day to suddenly setting up and being in an office on my own was really strange and it took me probably six months to adjust to it but then it, it wasn't long before my days were packed seeing customers back to back all day so they're like my colleagues now I suppose yeah. and I've just taken on another advisor will be working with me It'll be up and running soon. So hopefully it can just keep growing. Yeah. And what about, so what about lockdown then? So, you know, is that, was that a return to isolation or how, how have you coped through lockdown? Yeah, I think at first it was a welcome break in some aspects because I'd been doing an awful lot of travelling, 
I was spending, you know, hours at a time in my car. And I think just to sort of slow things down for a couple of weeks was nice. And it made me realize that I don't have to be rushing around all day, every day to get things done. There's different ways of doing things that can actually work better. And yeah, it was, it was strange because it ended up feeling like Groundhog Day, sort of doing everything over the telephone. I really did miss that human contact with people, but we're getting back to that now. And Zoom has been a great tool. I dread to think how much money they've made from lockdown. But yeah, it's meant that I can connect with people all over the country. I've, you know, I've met quite a few clients down in London that I wouldn't normally see. So Zoom has worked really well for them. But I think it's shown that you can get a good balance with having a mix of both. So you can do the telephone, the Zoom, but then the face-to-face for people that want it as well. And how's the, um, how's the market out there for you? I've been really busy. House prices within Yorkshire have stayed pretty stable in some areas, especially York, they are actually rising. First time buyer market is not as great because a lot of lenders now have restricted what they will do. So people are needing to put more of a deposit down than before. But generally speaking, home movers, you know, there's there's a lot of them out there and properties are getting snapped up really quickly. So yeah, so I feel really lucky that I have been in one of the industries that's managed to keep on going. And uh, what about the future for KAG Financial? I just see it growing and just, I would love to have a team of people that are all like-minded, that all just, you know, want to take care of the customers as well as possible, build relationships and just be a brand of difference, you know, a brand that, people see as a really friendly caring company and don't treat people as numbers and just just keep growing from there and you know I was meant to move into a premises from the first of April but due to lockdown that never happened so that's definitely still a plan that I'd like to see happen and just take it from there really see where it goes you've got your go, husband but what about outside of work what does do you have this balance or is it just full on yeah I didn't at first and that's been another huge learning curve because I'd say for the first two years of me launching it I was going at 100 mile an hour all day every day and you know you do get to the point where you think you've got to take a step back from this and you've got to make time for other things so my weekends are completely dedicated to my little girl and we try and spend as much time outside as possible we're both really active so yeah I've got the balance right now definitely is that things that when you first get going, it's just all consuming, isn't it? Yes. And you just got, and also those people you've got to prove wrong, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and what about if I was, um, so I, I'm a female business, uh, I'm a female sitting before you deciding to set up my own business. What would be the number one piece of advice you'd give knowing what you know now? I think it's put yourself first, as selfish as that sounds. I think it's very easy when you start out to spread yourself too thin and to say yes to everybody, yes to every opportunity that comes your way, yes to every person. And I think if you burn yourself out quickly, it's not going to work. So you've got to find that balance early on, I think, to be successful. Yes, you want to put the hours in to get the business going, but I think you've still got to make time for yourself and you've just got to stick to your vision, stick to your plan. And don't let other people's ideas put you off. Don't care what anyone thinks. We were talking earlier about the um, about the impact of the news on people's mindsets. What's your views on that? 
I've got a client actually that's um, really high up in the NHS and I was speaking to him recently about this and he says that the NHS are now preparing for a huge spike in mental health cases. And I think a lot of it is because of the information that we're just fed from every direction going. You know, you go on Facebook and you've got someone's opinion of how lockdown should have been handled differently or someone's sharing a news article and you turn the telly on and that's all it is. And it is, you just cannot escape from it. So I think you've got to be careful, really. Like I said to you, you know, my husband had Sky News on loop while he was on furlough and I just had to take a step back from it because if you sit and watch it and you sit and read everything, you really would think the world was going to end this year, you know, how negative everything's been. People always say, look at the bigger picture, but I think in this scenario, you've got to look at your picture, where you're standing. Are you okay? Yes. Are your family okay? Yes. You know, you've got a roof over your head. You've got food on the table. I think really it's highlighted how lucky we are in general because we have got enough around us to survive and be happy. Whether we have to stay in a house a bit longer, you know, is it really that much of a big deal? Probably not. Sound advice indeed. So thank you so much, Kylie-Anne. It's been a pleasure to speak with you today. No, thank you for having me. Brilliant, thank you. In our conversation, Kylie-Anne reflected that the coronavirus pandemic has highlighted how lucky she and her family are. It's been a worrying, fearful time for many, But with her positive mindset and outlook, she's found this a great opportunity to be grateful. I've been very lucky to have lots of great opportunities come my way and some great things happen. I felt truly grateful. In business and in life, though, when things seem uncertain, times are tough, and things aren't working the way we want them to, and it's a time of uncertainty in the economy across the world, it can be easy to think we don't have anything to be grateful for. There always is, however however small it might seem. When I was a child, we were taught to say thank you. In my home, it was a rule that we wrote thank you letters to people who were kind and generous enough to send us presents. I love that and I still write thank you letters. Some people keep a gratitude journal, others just express their gratitude by saying it out loud. I remember, very poignantly, my elder sister, who was dying from a terminal disease. We went to Chatsworth House just weeks before she died. And I remember her standing there and saying to this guy, how lucky are we to have all this, waving her hand at all the fabulous treasures there. Everyone who heard her agreed and smiled because gratitude is infectious in a good way, just as negativity can be in the opposite way. No matter what your method of giving thanks is, I did a quick research and found that gratitude is actually good for us. So here's eight benefits of gratitude. It's good for our brains. Acts of kindness and feelings of gratitude flood our brains with chemicals called dopamine. When we are really, truly grateful for something or someone, our brains reward us by giving us a natural high. Because this feeling is so good, we're motivated to feel it again and become more inclined to give thanks and also to to do good for other people. So gratitude attracts more reasons to be grateful. Number two, gratitude opens the door to more relationships. Not only is saying thank you good manners, but showing appreciation can help you win new friends. Thanking a a new acquaintance makes them more likely to seek an ongoing relationship. Whether you thank a stranger for holding a door or send a thank you note to a, a colleague who helped with something, acknowledging other people's contributions can lead to new opportunities. And number three, gratitude actually improves physical health. Apparently, grateful people experience fewer aches and pains and report feeling healthier than other people. Not surprisingly, grateful people are also more likely to take care of their health. 
Number four, gratitude improves your psychological health because gratitude reduces a multitude of toxic emotions from envy and resentment to frustration and regret. And number five, gratitude enhances empathy and reduces aggression. Grateful people are more likely to behave in a more social manner, even when others behave less kindly. In a a study I saw, participants who ranked higher on gratitude scales were less likely to retaliate against others, even when given negative feedback. They experienced more sensitivity and empathy than other people. Number six, grateful people sleep better. Writing in a gratitude journal improves sleep. Apparently, if you spend just 15 minutes jotting down a few grateful thoughts before bed, you may sleep better and longer. Worth trying if you have trouble sleeping. Number seven, gratitude improves self-esteem. Studies have found that gratitude reduces social comparisons. Rather than becoming resentful toward people who have more money or better jobs, which is a major factor in reduced self-esteem, grateful people are able to appreciate other people's accomplishments. And number eight, gratitude increases your mental strength, which is really what we need right now. For years, research has shown that gratitude not only reduces stress, but it may also play a major role in overcoming trauma. So, we all have the ability and opportunity to be grateful. Rather than complain about the things we think we deserve, we can take a few moments to focus on all that we have right now, just as Kylie Ann did. So, if you don't already, you might, or you might just want to try out a daily routine of being grateful. So, this has been Ross Jones. Thank you for listening to our show. See you next time. This has been your Ross Jones Bold Business Bits podcast show. If you'd like any further information about anything we've discussed today, please just get in touch. Go to businesscoachingyorkshire.co.uk. Please join me again next week when I'll be speaking with another phenomenal female business boss with Bold Business Bits. And remember to subscribe to my show. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.